did it praise glory 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 hallelujah turn around tell your neighbor neighbor tell him I got one word for you this morning tell him he did it and I got one more thing to say if he did it before he can do it again not only did he do it but I feel like telling somebody he's about to do it again you ought to give him a shout of praise come on your greatest miracle is in front of you your greatest breakthrough is on the way Hallelujah! Give him a shout of glory, glory, glory! Back in the day, we used to sing a song and say, "When I think about Jesus, what He's done for me. When I think about Jesus, how He saved me free. Can dance, 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 dance. I can dance."
let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom the Lord hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy tell your neighbor the devil thought he had me but I got away anybody grateful you got away this morning are you glad to be standing in the house of the Lord this morning Let's put our hands together one more time and thank God. Woo! High five about six people on the way to your seat. Tell them, let's have church. Woo! Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. You can be seated for just a couple of moments. I want to take a brief opportunity today to give a great big welcome to all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us today. Rock Church, can I borrow your hands and your voice for just a moment? Would you help me? Come on, we can do way better than that. Help me make some noise and welcome all of our guests that are here today. We are so grateful to have you in the house of the Lord with us. If you're here for the very first time this morning, uh, we have an important policy that we want to share with you. And I know it's rude to impose policies on guests. But we have one important policy in the church that we want you to be aware of this morning. And it is simply this. You are only a guest for the first five minutes that you come through the door. After that, you're just at home here at the Rock Church. Amen, somebody. And so we want you to know how much we appreciate you being here. Would you turn around, tell two or three people sitting next to you, welcome home this morning. Tell them, tell them, tell them, welcome home. We're so grateful to have you here in the house of the Lord today. Amen. I, I went out to the parking lot uh, earlier this morning before the services began. And lo and behold, pulled up in a, in a black suburban was brother and sister Liggins. It's so good to have brother and sister Liggins home this morning. Come on. Give them a great big welcome home this morning. Amen. We're so excited they're here today. And uh, to the rest of you, what a privilege it is to worship the Lord with you today. And we pray that you truly feel welcomed in this building. Is anybody thankful for everything the Lord's been doing in this sanctuary? We are in the middle of some incredible times here at the Rock Church, and God has been moving in a spectacular fashion, and we're so grateful for all that he is doing. Turn to your neighbor and remind them next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Some of y'all need some Resurrection Sunday this morning. <laughs> Amen. And we are so excited. How many of you were here last year for the original stage play, Broken? I'm telling you, it was absolutely incredible. And it's going to be back here next Sunday. I want to take just a quick moment to give a great big shout out and thank you to uh, Sister Lataria Black, Pastor Naeem Hammond, and the entire team that is putting this together. Come on, would you help me give them a great big ovation this morning, them and all of the cast and everybody involved in putting this together. They have invested countless hours in preparation for next Sunday, and we want them to know how much we appreciate their first-class mentality. Amen. And the spirit of excellence with which they are working in and uh, last uh, Resurrection Sunday, it was standing room only in this entire building. And uh, when we finished uh, with the stage play last year, if you were here, you'll remember that it was a literal ocean of people flocking and flooding the altars all the way to the back of the sanctuary. And uh, what a, an incredible move of God. And we are anticipating uh, an even greater touch of God in this place next Sunday. Amen. And so we are going to be releasing either today or first thing in the morning um, some social media content uh, to promote this to the community. And so we want to encourage everybody, when you see that hit social media, share it with everybody you can, direct message, copy it, uh, 
get it into as many hands as you can. And then this week, we are all going to be hyper-focused on reaching people and bringing them into the house of the Lord next weekend. I want to give another great big shout out to our evangelism team, uh, Brother Epi Leal and all of the evangelism teams. Would you help me thank God for them? And then also to the Ramirez family and uh, casting the net Bible study and every uh, all of that work that's going on. Come on, would you help me give God a great big hand clap of praise? I want to recognize Sister Amber Heard, Brother Trevor Sloss, who are both teaching our Abundant Living courses. Come on, I think we ought to give God a great big praise for them today. And to all of the saints of God who have your hand in the harvest, I want to say from the bottom of my heart how much I appreciate your labor. And uh, the Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. And I am sitting in a house of wisdom today. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for that. Amen. And so let's, let's allow God to use us this week in any way uh, that he can. Let's yield ourselves to what God is doing. I want to say this morning that it is a double honor to have with us all the way from Calgary, Canada, Bishop Dr. Johnny King in the house. Come on, would you help me give him a great big Rock Church welcome this morning? Come on, we can do better than that. Help me welcome him back to the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. You can stand as we prepare for the entrance of the word of the Lord into this house. It is our custom to stand and honor the entrance of God's word. Bishop King has... Uh, been the voice of an elder in my life for quite some time and I appreciate his incredible influence not only uh, in my life but across the apostolic movement and uh, Bishop King has been used in a powerful way for many years uh, he has formerly pastored for decades uh, Truth Church in Calgary, Canada. Amen. A powerful revival church, a pioneer church in the country of Canada, and uh, in recent years has uh, become the bishop of that house. And uh, Pastor Walker, who is a dear friend of mine, is now the pastor there. Um, but one of the things I love so much about Bishop King is he's not sitting on the beach every week with his legs propped up and a glass of lemonade in his hand, just spending the rest of his days doing nothing. Bishop King is doing more at his stage in life than many people, more than many people would do their entire life. I don't know about you, but that's how I want to live for God. Come on, when he comes back, I want to have given every drop of my life to the work of God. Do you feel that way this morning? Bishop King has been used in a powerful way across the globe. He is a world leader. He is an author. Uh, he is a, uh, a great intellectual mind. And I have appreciated his friendship over the years. Uh, have had the privilege of ministering there at that uh, church uh, some time ago. And Bishop King came to the Rock Church in 2014. I believe it was either July or August of 2014 while we were still in the Lions Club. And, uh, and, and then we went from there uh, to the Fowler Street building and then the Lord helped us to escape the snare of the Fowler. <laughs> if you know, you know. And uh, I am so humbled and privileged that he is with us this weekend. He can be anywhere in the world this morning. And uh, for those of you who ordered the book titles that we announced this past week, Bishop King will be in the lobby to uh, autograph your books today. And Bishop King, it is such a privilege to have you here. I love you. I admire you. I appreciate you so very much. We want you to come, take your liberty, obey the Holy Ghost. We're excited that you're here. One more time, would you put your hands together as he comes to deliver the word today?
Well, look what the Lord has done. Ah, what a God. What a great, great God. I thank you for the invitation, Bishop Williams. I appreciate uh, your first family, your bishop and first lady. And I used to call them boys, but they kind of grew up and, and uh, have become men. In fact, in fact, things are about to change around here. <laughs> things, things are going to change in the Williams house. Things are going to change in the Rock Church. And you're going you're gonna to be privileged to help spoil. Oh, God, have mercy. God, protect that baby. Protect that child. Um, thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be back with you again. And, and do you hear right now, you hear something sound like, you know what that is you guys have pumped this thing up so much and now we're letting some of the air out of the balloon so it doesn't bust doesn't pop wide open I, I, I do have something on my heart in fact in fact you know you're you're always a preacher is always trying to find the will of God and the mind of God. He better be. And so you've been on my mind and in my prayers. And uh, it was probably a week or two ago that I dreamed that I was preaching here. And, and God dropped something in my heart. It wasn't much, but he dropped something in my heart that I'm going to try to be faithful to this morning. And I believe that, I believe that, you know, if, if you look around, if you're a, for instance, if you're a guest here, or if you were the first five minutes this morning, and, and you look around, you'd think these people don't have any problems. I mean, they, I probably don't fit in here because I got lots of problems and and I'm, I can tell these people don't have any. I mean, they've got the victory. But really, we're flesh. And, and the, the thing is, you have to learn to shout through your problems. You have to learn to worship in the storm. Just when you're in the desert, you have to fix your eyes on the goal. So the Lord willing, the Lord willing, I'm going to talk about a little bit about the storm. You, you folks know something about storms, don't you? Talk a little bit about the storm. And unless the Lord changes what I'm feeling, I may, I may come back and talk about it again this evening. So... I invite you all to be with us here this evening. I'll be referring, I'll be referring to um, one of the books. I'm going to be reading a short story out of the a Bible Land Journey. And then I also have uh, the reflection. I brought these down for your bishop. And uh, they're available on Amazon. Uh, we've just released uh, Verbal Beans Unabridged book of prayer it's over 400 pages of his teaching in in 1968 I believe it was he taught a group in a uh, of young Bible school young men on prayer and uh, these messages have been very well received for the past almost 50 years and uh, and uh, I felt like writing it down and making some, adding some commentary to it. So that has just, in fact, I think just yesterday has come out on Amazon in, in hardback and paperback. So I, I just hope that these books can be a blessing to you and a blessing to the kingdom of God. 
Reading this morning from Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him to the other side. And while he sent the multitudes away, and when he had, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee walking on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith. Wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. If the Lord will help me, I want to talk to you for the next few moments about the making of a miracle. The making of a miracle. Thank you, God, for your presence. Bless your word. Give us ears to hear and minds to understand and hearts to respond to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. Thank you for standing and, and honoring the Word of God. I feel like uh, I have mixed emotions here. I, I've witnessed miracles in my life. During the 43 years that I pastored Truth Church, I've, I've witnessed many miracles there. And then around the world, I've, I've witnessed miracles. One of the most momentous days in my life was uh, when I was attending a crusade in Ethiopia in one particular service. Now, the, you have to understand the crowd was unimaginably large. Uh, you could not count it with the human eye. In fact, the people, it, it filled several, the size of a, a huge a huge plane the size of several football fields put together. The people that were in the back of the crowd were so far back as to be indistinct. You, you could not even make them out. They were just spots back there. And uh, the estimates of the size of the crowd was went from a conservative 250,000 to a, a possible up to 500,000 people, half a million so in that one service, without anyone laying hands on anyone else, the Spirit of God began to move, and there was a wave of healing that went across that huge, huge crowd of people. And when it was finished, and people were invited to, to come to the front, onto the platform, uh, and make their way as, as they came from all corners of that crowd, I remember distinctly there were people that, had, that testified of their immediate healing of various afflictions, including 13 blind people who had received their sight in one service. And I rejoice in that, but I also rejoice in the fact that this was not something any man could take credit for and say, and say, oh, that was, you know, I laid my hands and, and, and I prayed for 13 blind people and they received their sight. Nobody laid hands on anybody. Nobody could claim that's my healing ministry, although I do believe that God has given you power to pray for the sick. And, and, and that you can lay hands on the sick and they can be healed. I believe that. I don't, I don't believe that, 
The prayer of faith can only be prayed by a preacher. But I believe every child of God who is filled with the power and the Spirit of God has the authority. What did Jesus say? You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and into Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world. And part of that being a witness, the Bible said, they went everywhere preaching the word with signs following and, and that the word was confirmed. Signs following. There was a confirmation. So I believe you and I, even from the smallest child, in here can pray a prayer of faith and see a miracle. And so I've seen many, many miracles in my life. I've been a recipient of miracles in my family. Uh, the miraculous conversion of my, of my mother who had tried uh, to commit suicide and end her own life. The miraculous conversion of my father who was an alcoholic uh, uh, and, and had tried unsuccessfully many times to stop drinking. Uh, I've seen miracles of the saving and keeping power of God and the healing power of God. And, and so, in fact, one of the books I'm working on right now is a, is a book of miracles. It's a story of miracles that I've seen or witnessed or I've been told about and I think we need to share these things because God is still a miracle worker. And in the face of the skeptics and the critics who say, oh no, these things don't happen anymore, I want to give God glory for what he's done. And so I'm, even though it hasn't, it hasn't been printed yet, I'm also going to share one of the stories out of that book of miracles that is going to be appearing in the Together magazine that should probably be printed this week and, uh, and made available. So this particular story that I'm going to share with you is, is also in Together magazine. Um, we like to shout about the miracles, and we believe that God can do anything. One of the hindrances of miracles is that is that our faith in God is often circumvented or hijacked because of our doubt in ourself. We know God can do it, but we doubt we can be used because, well, there's a lot of becauses. Because, basically, it boils down to this, because we have this treasure in earthen vessels because we all have feet of clay because we're all human. We all go through struggles. We all have things we're dealing with and struggling to overcome. And the fact that you're here today is proof that you've not allowed your humanity to keep you out of the house of God or to cause you to be discouraged. You see, when people backslide and they leave the church, they, they don't leave because they doubt God. They don't walk away from the church because they think God can't do anything. They walk away because they think they can't make it, that they can't be good enough, that they simply can't live the life. That's why they leave. It's not that they give up on God. They give up on their self. But, Lord willing, I'll address that more tonight. In this, in this miracle that I read to you on the Sea of Galilee, um, the apostles were in a predicament. All right? Let's face it. They were in the midst of the sea. They were in a small boat. The boat was probably, well, uh, there's, a, there's one that they actually found from that era. Uh, 2,000 years ago, uh, it, it sank 
and it got covered up in the mud near the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And recently, they discovered it. Somebody was walking along, and they, they found some, some rusty nails that had been used to hold this boat together. And so they, they did a massive restoration project, a salvage operation, where they, they dug around this boat, and, and they, they preserved it, and, and they lifted it up, and today it's in a museum that we go and visit when we, we go to Israel and there's, a, there's a, uh, an article on it in, in the book. I talk a little bit about that particular boat. But it's a typical fishing boat from that day. It shows you the, the material that it was made out of, the way it was made, the way it was shaped, the size. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a large ship. It was like eight feet across. From side to side was about eight feet. Okay? Less than three meters. From end to end, you know, you're probably talking about 20-something feet. I've, I've got the exact measurements in, in here, but I forget what they are right now. So it, it's a small boat. And when you're in a smaller boat, a storm looks bigger. And so they were in a, they were in a small boat in the midst of the Sea of Galilee. And even today, they have, they have storms that they say, you know, the expression is they rise up out of the blue or out of nowhere. And the term out of the blue means, means a clear blue sky. When somebody says it just came out of the blue, it means it was a beautiful day and suddenly, suddenly, it was cloudy and windy and stormy it just came up out of the blue. Well, this is what happened to them. They, they were in the boat in the middle of the sea, and what happened was a, a, a westerly wind came over the Golan, the area that we call the Golan Heights, and then that in the Bible it was called uh, Gadara or the land of the Gergesenes, and it came over that, and, and any of you who, if you have a pilot's license and if you fly, if you've had a, a particular training about mountains, they warn you about flying near mountains because the wind comes down the mountain and it picks up speed as it comes down. When it comes over the top of the hill and it starts down, it's like a vacuum and it picks up speed. And if you get your, your light aircraft in that downdraft, you'll crash into the side of the mountain. And it's happened many times. Well, that's what happens on the Sea of Galilee. The wind comes over the Golan Heights and it comes down into the Sea of Galilee, picking up speed, and it crashes against the other side so that even today, in a big storm, water will, will rush up into the streets of Tiberias. And, and this was the position they found themselves in. They were in a storm. It was bad. And the Bible said the wind was contrary they were tossed with waves in the fourth watch of the night. That is, so daytime in, in biblical understanding, that there's 12 hours to the day, there's 12 hours to the night. The day begins at 6 o'clock in the morning. The night begins at 6 o'clock. Each watch is three hours. So the first watch would be from 6 to 9. The second watch from 9 to midnight. The third watch from midnight to 3 o'clock in the morning. And what do they say about the darkest part of the night is when? Just before the dawn. This was the fourth watch of the night between 3 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock in the morning. And this is, where, this is where they were maybe almost giving up hope. But wait a minute. We don't like the storms. And, and you read the story and you know how it ends. So you say, whoo, I wish I could have been there. But if you didn't know how it ended, and if you were in their boat, you would have said, oh no, I don't want the storm. I don't like the storm. You probably, some of you are in a storm right now in your life. You're in a storm it's caused by, maybe it's caused by inner turmoil that, that who knows what it, what, where that came from. 
Maybe your storm's caused by financial problems. Maybe your storm is, is the things you're facing on the job or in the school classroom, especially if you're going to college or university. The storm, all the, all the voices around you and everything that this world is screaming and yelling and all the stupidity going on around you and, and, and it causes fog in your brain and confusion. And, or you might be in a storm because of a family situation. Maybe a relationship that's gone on the rocks or, or seems to be headed that direction. You know, different things you, 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 you go through and you're praying now, God, I, I'm, I, don't, I didn't want to be here. I didn't ask for this. You know, I thought it was going to be better when I came to church. I thought everything was going to be smooth sailing. And Lord, if I was in your will, you know, if I was in your will, then it would be smooth sailing. If I, you know, God, if, if, if you cared about me, you wouldn't have let this happen. Have you ever stopped to think, why were these men in the storm? Why were they there? Jesus sent them there. Mm. Now, Lord, I don't want that. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm, I want a miracle, but I don't want the storm. God, I want to see a miracle but I don't want to suffer any sickness or affliction in my body. I want, to see, I want to see healing, but I don't want my children to be sick. Lord, I want to see some divine provision, you know, like manna from heaven, but I don't want to be broke. And so if we had our way, There'd always be food in the cupboard, plenty of it. The bills would always be paid on time with money left over, right? Wouldn't have to stretch it so hard from Friday to Friday or first to the 15th. You know, if we had our way, we'd never be sick. You know, there'd never be an argument in our marriage. Oh, excuse me, I don't mean argument. We don't argue. I mean a discussion. Right? If we had our way now, I mean just everything. We'd have everything we needed. We'd drive the car we wanted. Uh, we'd live in the house we wanted to live in. And, and the leak wouldn't, the, the roof wouldn't leak. And the water would drain out of that sink like it's supposed to. If we had if we had our way, this is this is the way our life would be. It would be smooth sailing, it would be blue skies, it would be sunshine, and and we would never see a miracle. Because every miracle is a God's response to a need. But we don't want to be needy. We don't want to have those needs. But wouldn't we be in a mess if we never had any needs? You know we, what we would do? We would lean on the arm of flesh. We wouldn't have to pray. We wouldn't have to trust God for anything. We wouldn't have to depend on the Lord. So God, don't give me everything I need. Don't give me everything I want. Don't let it be smooth sailing every day. But let us go through some things and recognize when we're going through them that this is the making of a miracle. So Simon Peter, in, in, in the book, The Bible Land Journey, I've written several stories about 
Simon Peter and the, I guess it's the second person. And uh, this one is called Simon Peter Galilee, scene two. From this same reading that I just read to you. In the storm, in the dark, you fear that your boat will capsize and you will perish in the dark waters. Jesus sent you here. He said, get in a boat and go to the other side while I disperse this crowd. Night has fallen. The wind has come up and grown stronger. It's one of those sudden storms that the Galilee is known for. You've stopped making any headway toward Bethsaida and are only trying to keep your bow headed into the wind so the waves don't tip you. A quick trip has turned into a night-long struggle for survival. Everyone is hoping for the dawn and a calm, but it's only three or four in the morning, and there's not much hope you can hold out. Above the roar of the wind and the shouts of your comrades, one of their voices, a voice suddenly more fearful, penetrates your consciousness. A figure is seen approaching the boat. It looks like a spirit walking towards you. Is this the angel of death? Is this how you will die? Will it all end here on the sea? Fear of the storm mixes with fear of the unknown. Other voices are raised in fear, but the strange figure lifts his voice above the storm. Courage! Don't be afraid, it's me, Jesus. In your fear, you see him coming toward your boat. Can you believe it's him? And after he identifies himself, is your desire to go to him stronger than your desire to remain safe in the boat? Dare you ask him to invite you to do what no other man has ever done? Can you say it? Lord, if it's really you, bid me come to you on the water. You wait. You are drenched. The storm still rages. Water sloshes around in the boat. The others have stopped bailing. Everyone is holding to the rail, the sail, the mast, holding anything to keep them from being thrown overboard. Unbelief mixes with fear. Are they hearing right? Did you just ask to walk on water? The wait was not long. All of these questions and feelings happened in milliseconds. Jesus said, come on, now what? What will you do in your storm if Jesus says, step out? A moment before, you were almost cursing your circumstances, wishing you could get out of this boat, thinking it was so pitifully small. But now, Jesus has asked you to go to the next level. Can you even leave your small security behind? As flimsy as it is, as small as it seems, as little as the boat is tossed on the waves, are you willing to step out and trust God even more? Are you willing to do the unthinkable? Are you willing to step out and do what nobody's ever done, but nobody's ever done this, Lord? <laughs> yeah, but you wanted a closer walk, didn't you? You wanted an experience, didn't you? You wanted a relationship, didn't you? How can you have that relationship? How can you have that experience? How can your faith grow unless you step out of your boat? Unless you're willing. Even in the midst of our storm, there are little things we hold on to. Well, I know it's not much and I don't see how I don't see how it's going to cover all the bills, but at least I will have another check coming in in a couple of weeks. Well, I know he said he'd never come to church, but but th there might be a possibility. There might be. And we hold on to little things and we look for clouds the size of a man's hand. Anything that we can hold on to, anything that'll give us a little feeling of security or, or maybe build our faith. And then when God says, all right, 
you've been praying for a miracle. And I've heard every prayer you prayed. And I've saved every tear you shed. And it's in my bottle. And that bottle's full. Are you ready for your miracle? In the midst of your storm, you must not doubt that you're in the will of God. As long as you're coming to church, look, God has not asked you to be a super Christian. In fact, God has not asked you to be an apostle Paul. Maybe, maybe you'll be the woman who was a dealer in purple from Thyatira who met Paul in Philippi. Maybe you'll be, you don't want to do this, but you want a miracle, right? Maybe you'll be the Dorcas who died and Peter prayed back to life. We have to trust. When he says get into the boat, and go to the other side. When he says, and, and you've got, and you've, you're not just, this wasn't a bean dream. You're not, you're not being dumb. You, you've, in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. You followed your bishop's advice. You're, you're doing, you're doing everything that's humanly possible. You're coming to church. You're praying. You're reading your Bible. You're paying your tithes and offerings. You're doing everything you can reasonably. And when, when God says, this is what I want you to do, and you're obeying him, don't doubt his word when you get in the storm. Don't start. That's no time to look for an exit strategy. You better stay in the boat. You better stay in the church, friend. Uh, when the going gets tough, when the storm is here, that's not a time to hit the door. That's a time to hit the, hit the altar. That's a time to pray through. That's a time to say, God, you sent me here, and I'm trusting you're going to make it all right. You're going to take care of me. You're going to save my husband. You're going to save my children. I put them in your hands, God. I did, I did research extensively in the Philippines. One of the people that I researched was Ruth Figueroa. I believe she was nearly 80 or in her 80s when I, when I interviewed her. At 16, Ruth Figueroa was the youngest of the students at Brother Carlos Grant's first short-term Bible school. Immediately following her training, she and three other young women were sent to Antique province on Panay Island in the Philippines. But things did not go smoothly. There were frequent arguments among them, and Ruth was always arguing, so she was brought back to the mother church for discipline. And she was sat down she said, I, I could not do anything but sit there. I could not sing. I could not testify. It was the most miserable time for me. Now, Malokabok Island was two hours by Bonka boat from the northern tip of Negros Island. Uh, Gloria Sarsuelo was a school teacher there, and she told Brother Grant that there were people interested in the message this gospel message, this Acts 2.38 message. So when the missionary told Ruth that she could go to Malokoboke Island, she jumped at the chance. Even though it was a very remote island, there was no fresh water on the island at all. All the fresh water had to be either caught from the rain or it had to be brought over by boat. Her diet on Malokoboke Island was rice, corn, and rainwater. March and April were the dry months. 
And she used coconut water for drinking and cooking her rice and corn. Then she learned to ration her water. With one gallon, she could take a bath, wash her clothes, and clean the floor by reusing the water in that order. Or if she didn't bathe, she could make the water last for a week, a gallon. She was 18. She was the only worker on that island for seven years. From the time she was 18, she was alone, trying to get together a group of children to have Sunday school and teach them the word of God. At one point, she became frustrated because none of the group of boys that she had gathered for services had received the Holy Ghost. So she decided that she would have a one-week's children's revival starting on a Sunday. And there were 12 boys. The youngest of them was four-year-old Noel. And this is what Ruth said. For six nights... Nothing happened. On a Saturday night, I got angry with God. That night I told the Lord, I'm tired. Lord, if tonight nothing will happen, I'm going home tomorrow. I was standing behind the pulpit with my hands raised and my eyes closed. I heard a voice say, look to your left. I looked. And saw an angel of God with his hand stretched out over the platform. I quickly shut my eyes. The voice said, look to your right. I looked and I saw another angel with his hand stretched over the platform. I closed my eyes and said, Lord, this is it. When I said that, I heard the sound of a great wind. The Nepal wall hut, uh, the Nepal walls of the chapel were scattered. The boys were scattered. And all of them were speaking in tongues except the youngest, Noel. I watched him. He would raise his hands to praise the Lord and his shorts would fall down. He would stop praising, reach for his shorts and pull them back up. But I saw that this was bothering him. So I went to encourage him to keep reaching for God. I used the story of Jacob's ladder. I said, that is the Holy Ghost. When the trumpet will sound, the angels will come down and you must grab hold of the ladder to go up to heaven. I told him he had to grab the ladder. Then I left him to check on the other boys. When I looked back, his shorts had fallen to the floor and he had his hands raised and was jumping. I heard him saying, Lord, shorts or no shorts, I want my ladder. So he received the Holy Ghost and was speaking in tongues. Noel is now an engineer and is still serving the Lord. I love that story. But it would never have happened if an 18-year-old girl had not gone to a remote island and spent seven years of her life. It never would have happened had she not had the discouragement and the frustration until she finally reached a point and said, God, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. All right? When you, <laughs> when you are, are finished putting up with the storm in your life, with the deadness in your situation, when you've reached the place where you're so frustrated that you say, okay, God, now I'm tired. Lord, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything stupid. I'm not leaving you. I'll never leave you, God. I'll never walk away from you. But I'm just letting you know I'm tired of this. I'm not putting up with it anymore. And I'm ready for you to do something. I'm telling you, God is ready to perform a miracle for you. So your situation, my brother and sister, dear guest, your situation, whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're facing right now, whatever it is, you don't like it, but it's the making of a miracle. It's God setting you up to do something, and it's going to be good 
and it's going to be wonderful, and it's going to be great. And when it happens, you're going to know God did it. God did it. God did it. It wasn't me. It wasn't my mama. It wasn't my daddy. It wasn't the job. It was God who did this. It was God who touched my body. It was God who made that provision. It was God who took care of that situation. God did it. Let's stand. Do you believe God wants to do it? He wants to. He wants to. One time some men came to Jesus and they needed healing. And they, he said, Lord, if you will. And Jesus said, I will. I will. It is my will. I will. Be thou whole. God will do it. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't quit. Whatever you're in, whatever situation, whatever storm, it's the making of a miracle. Start looking for your miracle. And when it happens, you give God the glory. Amen. Another thing, when it happens, when it happens, when it happens, ask Bishop. Ask Bishop to send it to me. I'll put it in the book. And your miracle can encourage somebody else. And your miracle can inspire somebody else. We need to share the miracle. One of your greatest testimonies is how God saved you. And how God kept you. And how God healed you. And how God provided for you. That's one of the greatest testimonies. Tell people what God has done. And that he'll do it for them. He'll do it for them as well as for you. Amen. You believe that? Are you ready for your miracle? Are you ready? Why don't you step out of your pew in faith? Why don't you make your way toward the front and say, God, I'm coming down to get a miracle. I know you're in here somewhere. I know you're in this situation, God. I know you have not left me alone. You said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. I know you've never left me. You're with me. You're with me in the storm. You're with me in the trial. You're with me in the hospital room. You're with me in the marriage. You're with me on the job. You're with me in that classroom, God. I know you've never left me and never leave me alone. But I'm trusting you for my miracle. I'm ready for it, God. I'm about tired of this situation. I, I, I'm, I'm ready, God. I'm fed up with this. I need your touch now. I want my miracle. I want it today. I believe you right now, Jesus. And I'm willing to jump out of the boat and come to you walking on the water. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Lift your hands and believe God for a miracle. That's right. Lift your hands and believe God for a miracle. He's still.